Hello, everybody, and welcome. Time for NBL Rewind. And I can I already hashtag NBL Rewind. Adelaide 36ers fans are going nuts. You would have just watched it if you haven't. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, NBL TV. Game 2, 2018 semi-final. The 36ers on the road. Get the job done. Liam Santamaris is a wonderful game to watch. Great game. Hadn't thought about this series mm -hmm. for a while. We always think about the grand final yeah. series about that year. And great to go back and watch this man go out there and dominate like he used to do. 25 and 11, they got to that grand final series. We speak of Josh Childress, who not only was a superstar player, but has now got a pretty big footprint on the NBL as we head towards NBL 21 and beyond. Welcome, my man. Welcome to NBL Rewind. Thanks for having me. It's, it's great to see you guys. Great to chat, man. It's been a while. We talk a lot. We talk about that grand final series, which we'll touch on in a moment. But uh, I think Liam's right. We kind of forget how good this series was and this particular game was to go into Perth and, and win a huge game like this. Your memories, your emotions, as, as you look back on that big night. Oh, man. Uh, biggest memory was just uh, the feeling in the locker room after the game. I think that, uh, you know, we had a, a, a very up and down season to, to that point. And so for us, it was, a, you know, a culmination of emotions. And, you know, we were all fired up, uh, you know, because it's not easy to win in that arena. So, um, you know, to have, have that victory and, and be able to walk off uh, feeling pretty, pretty excited was a great feeling. Talk about a mix of emotions, Chill. What, what are your emotions when you think back on this team, this Adelaide team from 2017, 2018 that came out so close? I just wish I didn't get hurt. <laughs> That's the biggest emotion, man. I just wish that I, I didn't get hurt. I think that we had a really good shot at winning the grand final, um, you know, had that not happened. But, um, you know, it was a, it was a great group. And, um, you know, Joey did a great job, you know, keeping us together, you know, through that time. We had a, a ton of personalities, you know, to deal with. Uh, you know, you, you go down the list with Shannon, Ramon, Creaky, uh, DJ, uh, Tease. I mean, you just go down the list of guys that we had on that team, uh, Juke. And, and, you know, there's a great group of guys, but also a, a ton of personalities. Like I said, Haji is another one. So, um, you know, for us, it was, you know, or, and as a coaching staff, how do you mesh everyone together, make sure that everybody's working well together and, you know, uh, trying to attain the common goal, which was to win a championship. It's incredibly frustrating when you have any injury at any time as a, as a pro athlete. But where did, like, when you, when you look back at your career, what were these, like, game three, four, and five, like you would hurt in that second game? Game three was a close one in Melbourne. You win game four and then game five, you, you just need a little bit of luck and anything can happen in, in, in a walk-off game. Look, where does it sit in disappointment and frustration of your career, that particular three-game part of that series? 
Uh, it's up there. It's up there. Just because, um, you know, I'd, I'd done a great job, you know, to that point on staying healthy, right? And that's been, a, that'd been an issue for me the latter part of my career. And, you know, to have, you know, a freak injury kind of happen, you know, where I hit the floor and, you know, fracture my scapula. Uh, it's just it's one of those moments where it's like, I, I just can't catch a break here. But, um, you know, I, I think that the biggest thing that I, I felt like I brought to that team um, was, was stability and, you know, being able to kind of help the team uh, steady out in, in times of turmoil. And, you know, that, that game three and game five, we had a lot of that, right, in Melbourne. And, and so um, that's where I felt like I could have definitely helped. Obviously, you know, points, rebounds, all that stuff is part of it. But, you know, it's just the kind of the mental stability of the team not getting into fights with, you know, Prather and, and not, you know, talking to, to, to Casper and, you know, all that stuff that happened, um, I think I could have helped with. I, just, just on that, I haven't got the vision, I can't remember it. Did you come off the bench? Of course, it felt like everyone was involved when it was Prather and then Nathan Sobey, of course, gets ejected. Did you wander down the end while it was happening or just stay, uh, no. nah, good? <laughs> Two, the, I, I, I learned my lesson on that stuff already. <laughs> <laughs> They are two enormous what-ifs for me. I mean, uh, and we've had a great chance of talking about these what-ifs on this series over the course of the off-season across NBL history. But that, that grand final series, Melbourne United were well and truly expected to win that championship. I remember Aaron Fern in the preseason saying, if they don't win, something's wrong um, with the team that they put together. And yet you guys were roaring. And you and Creaky had a beautiful thing going at the three and the four. And and then you going down there in game two. I also think, for me, I think that was massive, of course, but you guys were rolling in game three. And Sobes was killing it. I think that moment at, at the end of the half, I think, was the maybe the moment that completely swung the series because had you guys, despite you being out, won that one, you would have been going home to try and get game four. What, I mean, if, if you hadn't have gone down, would you have won the title? 100% yes. I mean, it, it would have, it had to have been some, some, something else crazy to have happened to keep us from that title. I think that, uh, you know, we were, we put ourselves in a great position. Um, you know, we matched up well. And uh, I think that we actually, you know, by and large had better, uh, better matchups across the board. Um, so I felt like we could have, I mean, it's obviously it's easy to say now, but, I felt pretty confident. Just before we move on from this game and, and get to everything else that's happening, you, right around the world, big arenas, you know, crazy fans. Just, just on that, Perth Arena, RAC Arena. Where, where does it sit, the intensity, the atmosphere of playing as an opposition player? You've had some, some moments in there over the course of your NBL career. But where does that sit when it comes to the Red Army? You know, I appreciate them as fans. I think that they do a good job. Um, you know, obviously I, I added fuel to the fire, you know, in my first year there, but, um, you know, they're respectful. They come out, they support their team. Um, you know, they do a good job. I, I, I can't say that they're the craziest fans I've seen because if you've, if you've ever played in Europe, you see, uh, you know, the, the, the red army looks like, uh, pussycats compared to the people in, in Europe, but, um, <laughs> You know, they do a good job. And, and I think that as, as a whole, um, that arena puts on a good show. 
Hashtag uh, NBL Rewind to get involved. Sorry, Liam. Great atmosphere in, in Perth Arena, of course, because there's 13,000 and they go crazy. But there were some great atmospheres in that grand final series as well, oh, yeah. especially oh, yeah. at Titanium Security Arena. You're Adelaide fans. I mean, not as many of them in the building, but the, the noise in that place. What are your memories of that? Yeah, Adelaide fans were awesome. They were awesome. They loved the team. Uh, you know, they were always supportive. You, know, you go around town, they were always, you know, uh, you know, letting you know how, how much they supported you and, and, you know, the work that you're putting in. And uh, I love playing that arena. It was smaller, but, um, you know, the fans came out and they packed it out and it was uh, always a great atmosphere. Even, you know, as an opposing team uh, player, when I went in there, they always did a good job in, in making sure they were supporting the team. And um, it was a great place to play. What 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 appeal to the NBL? Uh, of course, not just as a player, a couple of stints, of course, and then now as as an ownership, uh, part of the ownership group of Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. But from all around the world, be it as a player or owner or whatever it might be, what's the main thing that's appealed to you with the NBL the last, we'll say, five six years? It's the people. I think that that's what it boils down to. You have, you know, uh, great ownership from the top down, uh, and you know that's what you want to be around. You want to be around good people you know, with the same vision and same mindset. Um, you know, I have some friends in Australia that will be lifelong friends, right? And I can't say I have that everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's what's kept me, you know, involved in Australia and what made me uh, jump at the chance to, you know, be become part of the ownership group with Southeast Melbourne. Uh, the Kings or the 36ers, Joe, which one did you have more fun playing at? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I loved both of them, man. I, I actually, I, I talk about this all the time. People always ask me, you know, where's been my favorite place to live, um, you know, outside of, of home. And, you know, it, it was, uh, it was Australia and it was, it was Sydney. Um, I love living there. Um, uh, you know, the, I think, you know, with what the team has been able to do over the last couple of years in terms of, you know, kind of beefing up their ownership group and, um, you know, doing a lot more on the, 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 you know, the kind of team development and, and uh, I'm drawing a blank on what I want to say, uh, but they've just done a good job of growing the club. And I think getting it to the point where it's sustainable and, you know, where they're putting out a good product every night and not, I'm not taking anything away from, you know, the time that I was there. It's just the league was in a different place then, um, you know, but uh, I love both places and, you know, I love things about both places. Um, I, I hated the Sydney traffic as I think most people do. Uh, but, um, you know, like I said, I have friends that will, you know, be friends for life. And, and uh, you know, I'm always appreciative of that. Hey, what, did you, what did you like about that city? Once again, it boils down to the people. Um, you know, the, the, the people were always awesome, nice. Um, there's something about being able to pull up to, uh, to, to dinner uh, in a boat, you know, and, and hop <laughs> off and... and uh, you know, just, I mean, just all of that, man. It was just awesome. And, and it was a great, great life experience. You know, I had family come over and visit and they loved it. And so, um, you know, I always tell myself, uh, you know, if, if and when I continue to, you know, kind of build my business here, you know, and, and have a couple extra dollars laying around, I'll, I'll buy a house uh, in Australia. Just on that, from playing in the market, playing for the Kings, and, and you mentioned the ownership and the business side of it, how, how important do you think for the NBL as a whole uh, was it that the Kings you know, got this brand going again, both on and off the court to where they sit today? Because you've seen it from both angles, both as an owner and as a player. Yeah, I mean, the, the Kings are, you know, 
cornerstone franchise in the league. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, I mean, you, you have to have your top markets um, have teams that are successful, you know, and that, are, that are, are successful not only on the court, but also financially. Um, so, you know, for the, the, the strength of the league, Sydney has to be there. And I think that, um, you know, it's important for them, for us, you know, in Melbourne and, and for, um, you know, Perth, obviously, to, to remain financially sustainable uh, and successful moving forward as this league continues to grow. Uh, just because, you know, you, you go with your largest teams. I mean, you look at the NBA, you know, the Lakers, the Knicks, uh, the Celtics, uh, you know, drive a lot of, of traffic to these other clubs, right? And so the same thing in the NBA. One of the things you did while you were in the purple and gold is you got Al Harrington into the league. <laughs> Take us back to that. You obviously got that hurt again. Um, you, were, you were going down a bit at that, at that period of time. Ta- Take us back to that phone call. Like, what was the conversation you had with Al? <laughs> the pitch, if you will, to get him to the league. Uh, I called him. I said, Al, man, would you like to, to have a, a, a little month uh, vacation in Australia? <laughs> and um, I said, yeah, you got to play a couple games a week. You know, you got to get in shape for that. But uh, you get a chance to just, just spend a little time you know, out of the country for a bit, you know, I broke my hand. It'll be, you know, four to five weeks. Um, are you down to come out? Cool. Let's get it done. And that was it. So pretty simple. <laughs> but I, I imagine like you, you, I mean, one of the reasons you came to Australia, I remember you talking about it at the time is you're like, I'm a boss. I'm more than a basketball player. I, I'm, into, I'm interested in life experiences. You know, and I've always wanted to come to Australia. Did you kind of know that he was that type of personality as well? Yeah, I mean, and I think that it it helped that it wasn't a full season, you know. Um, And what some people don't know is, um, you know, there was discussions about making it a full season, uh, you know, as his time was kind of coming to an end. um, And, uh, you know, we we decided not to do that. But, um, you know, he played abroad in China. That's a whole different, you know, type of type of environment. Uh, so I think he enjoyed it. You know, he enjoyed, you know, the Sydney lifestyle, and and uh, you know, that's obviously what uh, prompted him to, to become a part of the ownership group with uh, Southeast Melbourne. As Liam just mentioned, uh, and from the outside looking in, as you as a basketballer, but as an entrepreneur, business life experiences, it seems like you looked at this, you know, your whole career and and your life holistically from the very start. That's what it seems like to me. Is that how it always was? Or did you get a, like a time into your basketball career that you were like, I've got to start thinking about other things and enjoy the moments? Where did that attitude come from and when, when did it begin? Yeah, you know, I, I do a good job of faking it. but no, Real good job, uh, then. <laughs> no, I, I, I always um, view myself as more than a basketball player and um, wanted to, to allow myself to have options uh, in whatever path I decided to choose. If that was going to continue to be basketball, cool. If not, that's cool too. And so um, I always tried to give myself backup plans and backup options and, you know, kind of think forward, if you will. And so, you know, part of me signing in Australia was also the opportunity to meet businessmen in Australia, right? And, and you know, Tim Hudson uh, was uh, awesome with that. You know, I, I can't tell you how many meetings and and interviews and people I met, you know, over that first few months of me being there, um, you know, because, you know, that was important to me. 
And, you know, he understood that. He understood that that was a part of my personal growth. So, um, you know, that has now set me up, you know, for this, this kind of post-basketball career. You know, so I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Have you still got, apart from uh, Southeast Melbourne, have you still got some business interests you're involved in in Australia? I do. I do. I'm involved in a few companies out there. Um, and so, you know, once this COVID situation is done, I, I look forward to, to getting over there and, and uh, you know, spending some time, uh, you know, checking up on everything. We spoke about Al before. Another guy um, you had a bit to do with in the NBL, but previously and now is Creaky. And when you came in, you talk about the personalities in that 2018 Adelaide team. I mean, he was the emotional leader of that team. Um, and so awesome in the, on that team. And then he's had this NBA journey and now he's kind of leading your franchise. What, uh, have you had a role in kind of like mentoring him over, over the years through, through that period of time? Yeah, I mean, I would say, I wouldn't say mentor per se, but, you know, being supportive um, in any way that I can. Uh, you know, we, we talk basketball, we talk business, we talk life, um, you know, and, and I think that there was a connection um, just because, you know, we, we like to talk trash to each other, right? And so that was the spark, um, you know, behind it. And, and uh, you know, that then, you know, developed into a friendship. So um, uh, I'm so happy that he's the face of our franchise and hope that he'll, you know, be there for a long time because I think, uh, you know, he's – uh, shown that, that he can lead a team and uh, it's just about now trying to kind of build around that and making sure that he has you know the support that he needs to to continue to be successful hey, was, was him being there in in southeast melbourne part of the reason why you got were happy to get involved like no doubt when you had that conversation with Romy and and you started thinking about it you would have looked at well, what is the roster like what kind of team do they have in place right now and when you saw creaky i imagine you were like well that's a great cornerstone piece. Is, was that part of the thinking at the time? I wish that I could say yes, but no. <laughs> <laughs> because the other thing is we, we, had, we had these conversations you know, about the ownership component well before the mm. team was even put together. Okay. So, um, you know, this was – I was in technically, but unofficially, you know, probably a year before, you know, right when the the documentation was formed and the team colors were being picked out and all that stuff, You're uh, I was already in. So, right. yeah. Has the dynamic changed? Uh, you, you touch on, of course, his teammates and driving each other. And now you're, you're an owner while he is the, the player and essentially his boss. Does the dynamic change from a relationship <laughs> point of view? Or friendship, probably not, but has the dynamic changed? Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I mean, I think if I was Romy, Maybe a different story, but, you know, I, I'm still um, a minority owner in the club. And so, you know, for that reason, I don't um, try and, and act like, you know, I'm more than that. You know, I, I understand, you know, where I sit and, and really am, am about, you know, providing support and uplifting the team and the players. I um, mean, you know, I want to be a resource for them in any capacity, whether that's, you know, on the court or off the court. And, um, you know, that's the role that I would like to play. Obviously, I'm helping in, in the other side of it, trying to, you know, scout talent and, and, you know, give feedback there, you know, as, you know, we try to choose our, our imports um, for the season. But, um, yeah, it's more just, you know, kind of support role. 
Yeah, well, it's a good time. Yeah, you know, we're waiting for a couple of import announcements, man. You don't want to drop anything for us, do you? You know, we've been talking a lot about it on, on NBL Overtime uh, with Homicide, our other show. You got anything for us? A little, uh, little hint? I wish I did, man. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, we had some, some very, very, very promising opportunities or, or prospects, um, you know, but then, you know, Europe kind of came in and uh, offered big dough. You know, and, and uh, you know, there's only so much you can do, so much you can sell, um, you know, but, you know, when, when teams come in and offer, you know, three, four, five, seven, ten times, you know, what you can make in Australia, it's hard to make that sell. And so, you know, for us, it's about finding the right, the right pieces that fit, you know, within the organization. You know, we're a, a team that's all about culture. And, you know, we don't want anybody to come in and disrupt that. So there have been some talented guys that we've talked to that, you know, you do a little bit more homework and find that, you know, they potentially can be disruptors. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we don't want that. So, you know, it, it takes time to find the right fit. I think if I was a couple of years younger, I might try to suit up, but uh, I don't think I have that in, in the tank anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'll sit in the background for, for now. You mentioned Europe. I just want to go back to your playing days because the NBL now considered one of the best leagues in the world and it's improved. I'm not saying it was horrible when you got here, but I think everyone assumes or agrees that it has gone up a level or two then. Is that how you view it? Europe v the NBL when you were playing compared to you know what you're watching today on court in, in, in both different leagues around the world in Europe and here in Australia? Yeah, I mean, I think the league as a whole has, has gotten a lot better. Talent level, um, the professionalism, uh, you know, even the show, you know, that is the games, right? I mean, it, you know, that that's elevated to another level. Um, you know, I mean, there's talented basketball players around the world. Uh, and I think the NBL has done a great job of kind of elevating itself to, you know, being a premier destination uh, for a lot of players. And you can't say that that was the case, you know, six, seven years ago. Uh, so, obviously, that's off to, to Larry and, and what, you know, and, and the team and what they've done there. But, um, you know, I think as the league continues to grow, as you continue to have more, you know, uh, LaMelo's and RJ Hamptons and Ferguson's and, you know, all these guys that are coming in for a year and being able to come out and get drafted, you know, and don't have to deal with the, the stresses and the, the, the rigorous, you know, training regimen of, you know, two-a-days in Europe, you know, in some small remote city in the, in, in the countryside, um, you know, that just becomes more appealing. And, and with that, with the ability to go out and get, you know, sponsorships and things of that sort, you can start to, you know, bridge the gap financially and continue to get, you know, better and better players in the league and, and enhance the product. Should we play more? Should the NBL, should we, should we play a little bit more? Obviously, we could have a condensed season into NBL 21, so we might be forced to play some midweek. Jeremy LaLiga, who, who joined us on NBL Overtime, maybe six weeks ago now suggested that Wednesday nights is a, is a viable option. Do you think the league as a whole though, probably back to normality, hopefully sooner rather than later, do you think we should play some more games during the week? I think, um, I think there should be a consistent two games a week, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then, you know, your, your occasional three for, for some teams, if, if you can handle it. Um, you know, I mean, players are built to play, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, and guys would, I, in my opinion, rather play than practice. So, you know, if you can set it up, you know, from a travel perspective, um, you know, to make it feasible for everybody to do it, uh, you know, and if you can start to, you know, create consistency with the TV schedule, you know, and, and kind of build something there, I don't see why three games a week would be, would be too challenging. 
No, well, as fans, land we we want more. So uh, yeah, for sure. Hey, what's going on now, Chill? You you spoke about it before about uh, growing your business. Um, you're in property development, I think, at the moment. What's what's going yeah. on? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm uh, started a real estate investment and uh, development company, and so I've been, you know, uh, boosted the ground, just trying to grow that business. Um, you know, it's been a great learning experience to date. You know, working on a couple projects here in the states. We have a 300 unit deal we're doing out in um, in Las Vegas, and um, you know, looking at some projects locally here in, in Southern California as well. So, um, you know, I would love to be able to do some of this stuff in Australia uh, too. You know, and um, you know, Romy, the, the majority owner, is a, a big real estate investor as well. So, you know, we're we're, we're talking about how we can you know, kind of bring what we're doing here in the States to, to Australia and, and hopes of uh, just building a business, you know, globally. And, and I think that, um, you know, if leveraged the right way, it could be something that would be pretty successful. It's, um, it's more than just building buildings and, and making money though for you, isn't it? I mean, you know what I mean? Like we, we've watching the NBA right now and there, there's a movement taking place and some real messages. They look at trying to find ways to have like a tangible difference on yeah. the future within communities what what is what is it about the, apart from building buildings and making money that's important for you with what you're doing you know the, the the biggest thing is about changing the narrative for me and you know stepping into what i think is who i who i'm meant to be uh and i'm trying to change the game and i'm trying to uh you know show little kids that grew up in compton like i did you know that you know there's more to being successful than being an NBA player or being a rapper, you know, and, and, you know, how can I change that in their minds and allow them to dream bigger and understand that, you know, they can impact their community in a wide array of ways, um, you know, real estate being one of them. So part of my journey is, you know, building something to then be able to pull back or pull from the community, help, you know, with mentorship, personal development, things of that sort. I really just try to just impact change. I think that that's, um, you know, as a, as a, a young professional, um, you know, that's been my goal for a long period of time. And, and that's going to continue to be my goal, uh, whether I'm playing basketball or building buildings. Have you, you know, you talked about being more than a basketball player that your whole career. Have you enjoyed watching what's taken place in the bubble in that respect? Yeah, I think that, you know, the biggest biggest thing that I, I would love to see come from that though is the athletes understand you know the power of their voice and the, the, the fact that you know as a collective you know not only do you have you know a, a crazy amount of, of leverage financially but also uh, socially and so you know figuring out a way to leverage that um, to, to start creating some change you know organizationally in the league you know with the ownership groups you know, and in and, and some capacity politically in some of these cities uh, is what I hope happens through this. And it's not just, you know, names on the back of a shirt. It's actually, you know, we're going to use this to, to, to impact policy and to, you know, create change, which is, I think, what a lot of people in this country are hoping happens. Hey, before we finish off, I want to make sure I get this in before you go. You, you're talking about before about the growth of, of the NBL and where it was and where it's getting to you've had a big impact on that. You know, when, I'm ser- when someone like a guy of your caliber comes into this league and plays multiple years and talks about it the way that you do, 
that's a, all part of the process of growing the thing. And then not only talking about it, hands on money in like investment in the league and staying involved. So, I mean, as fans of the league and guys who have a vested interest in it, we, we want to thank you for, for that. No, I appreciate that. And I think, you know, that all for me comes from, you know, being around quality people. And, uh, you know, I, I have no problem putting my money where my mouth is when I believe in, you know, the product and the people. And, um, you know, I have that, that sort of feeling towards NBL. You know, I, I think, you know, I have a vested interest in seeing the growth of the league um, just because, you know, I, I enjoyed my time there so much. And, and I feel that, you know, more and more players should, should see that, understand that, and be able to experience it, um, you know, in the future. So I'm happy that the league is growing. I'm happy that you're having, you know, draft picks come out of the league every year. I'm happy to see, you know, Torrey Craig, uh, you know, on, on the playoffs or in the playoffs, um, you know, playing a pivotal role for a team. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just great to see, man. It's, it's, uh, it's, um, it's, it's impressive. And I, I enjoy, you know, seeing the, the, the growth from where it was when I came in to where it is now, because, um, you know, it, it means a lot. That's, that's interesting, Cam, just quickly before you, um, you're talking about the uh, players, company, you know, Tory Craig and Lamelo and RJ and those guys, you came in after your NBA career. Right, and we we do yeah. see we do see a lot of you know sometimes players come in that way, but we we've been talking it up a lot recently over the last few years about a a place you can come if you want to get to the NBA or you want to get back there. And Tory's obviously a great example. These young guys, but but also guys like Jay Sean Tate, you know, who who, who are is on the NBA verge right now. Or, mm-hmm. uh, and I think a lot of teams, and you guys are probably one of them, when you're having conversations with guys who have been playing in Europe, saying, actually, you know what? there are a lot of eyeballs on this league. If you're trying to get to the show, this is a way there. Do you firmly believe that this is a league that can help players in that way? Absolutely. I think, you know, the league has long-standing ties with the NBA anyway, right? You know, with Brett Brown and some of the other, other coaches. And, you know, now GMs are having the, the – the, they have to come over here to watch players. And they're seeing that there's much more, you know, there than they expected. And so – I think, you know, for, for guys, um, you know, to, to leave Europe, leave maybe, you know, a little more money, but uh, an opportunity to, to really thrive in a system, you know, they aren't worried about, you know, playing 10 minutes a night, you know, on a, on a Euro team, just mm. as part of a placeholder for a team, they can actually come out, you know, in Australia and, and you know, be the man and play their game. Um, you know, that's, who doesn't want that, right? With the, with the shot of, of getting a look, you know, in the league or, utilizing the connections that the, the NBL and NBL coaches have, you know, to get on a summer league roster, mm. you know, and, and take that next step, which is, you know, essentially what Tori did. So um, I, I am a firm believer that more guys should take a look. Uh, you know, I think that in combination with, you know, the, the strength conditioning and just the overall lifestyle lends itself to, to guys being more productive overall. And, you know, there isn't the same disconnect, if you will, uh, as there is playing in Europe that I felt, at least. Mm-hmm. I, still, I still felt like I, you know, I mean, Sydney is almost like L.A., right? So I felt like I was in an American city. I could just relax. I didn't have to worry about all the other stuff that you have to worry about, you know, playing in, you know, 
Slovenia or uh, Poland or somewhere else. Athens. Athens was pretty nice too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, before we let you go, man, there's so much uncertainty, of course, in the world when it comes to travel and restrictions. And of course, the NBL date, middle of January, where it's slated right about now. But we'll see you courtside in NBL 21 when it all happens. Absolutely. I'll, yeah. I'll, be, uh, I'll be there. I don't know when, but when the season happens and we can, we can travel, uh, I'll definitely be out there. Hey, man, as always, it's been fun for people who haven't watched this game, and I'm assuming a lot of the Red Army haven't, but everyone else, check it out. Game two, <laughs> semi-final series 2018. Twitch, NBL TV, Facebook, Instagram, however you watch your NBL content, get on it. Our man dominates. Appreciate your time as always, buddy. Thanks for having me. Anytime you guys want me to, you know, talk your ear off, I'm here. So uh, <laughs> just let me know. Thanks, Jill. All right.